Welcome to Political Beatdown. I'm Ben Micellis, joined by my co-host, Michael Cohen. We have a lot to discuss. First and foremost, just wanted to wish everybody a happy Memorial Day weekend. And of course, it is a time where we pay our respect to those who gave the ultimate sacrifice for our nation. And it is important that we never forget what Memorial Day is all about and always reflect and honor those incredible sacrifices. On today's episode, we got to discuss this debt negotiation deal uh, that President Biden, uh, I think, outmaneuvered out-negotiated uh, these MAGA Republicans, and we are seeing today that in full effect with MAGA Republicans in full revolt against Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy's out there saying, didn't I do a good job? Didn't I do a good job? And all these MAGA Republicans are basically saying they're going to bring a motion to vacate to try to remove Kevin McCarthy. We got to speak about some of the latest updates with special counsel Jack Smith. What's going on in Donald Trump's race? against Ron DeSantis. It just gets weirder and weirder and more fascist by the day. But first and foremost, Michael Cohen, how was your long weekend? How are you doing? <laughs> well, first of all, Ben, I think one of the things that you also want to turn around and, and uh, acknowledge is, you know, yes, while we acknowledge those who gave their their lives for democracy. We also honor all of those men and women who today still represent yep. our military. And we thank them every day for helping to keep democracy uh, and for fighting the American fight, because without them, we would be nowhere. Absolutely. Um, getting back to what's going on in Michael. For my weekend was a little bit messed up. If I could share with you, I picked up a nail while driving in the Hamptons in my in my vehicle, uh, which left me with a flat tire on Memorial Day. Uh, I was fortunate I was able to find uh, B&B uh, auto service, which is located in uh, where is it? it's by Sag Harbor. And, um, you know, I was able to borrow from a friend who had an electric air pump. Literally, my tire pressure is supposed to be at 51 in the rear passenger tire. Instead, it was down to zero. So it took me about 15 minutes to pump that sucker up. Uh, managed to go slow enough for the 12-minute ride to Sag Harbor, where they were kind. They put me in. They immediately got the vehicle up, and I was able to get back uh, in time here to the city uh, because I did have an appointment yesterday anyway, but it was uh, it, that didn't that that didn't make me too happy. But short of that, um, got a chance to see the Memorial Day parade out there. You know, you have a lot of people that live out in Hamptons area that are former, um, you know, military um, people. Uh, whether it's uh, you know World War II or any you know Desert Storm Vietnam, I mean all all over uh, the the various different. It was really nice to see them all um, and honor them for you know for their service to this country. Michael Cohen, you mentioned the number of your uh, tire pressure. The number that I want to focus on is the number 11, because last <laughs> week you talked about filing Rule 11 sanctions against Donald Trump's lawyer for bringing that frivolous lawsuit. And I say well, it's frivolous, one, because it is, two, because a Rule 11 sanctions motion addresses frivolous filings by lawyers. You were talking about that last week, how you were drafting that lawyer with your lawyers. Um, tell us what happened. Well, as you know, with these with these Rule 11 uh, motions, first, what you do is you uh, send that to the opposing counsel, and they have 21 days within which to respond and so on before you ultimately file anything. So, we're, you know, we're just right now we're in the preparation stage of every um, of all of this uh, documentation regarding the frivolity of the case and the ridiculousness of the case. But what uh, I will tell you, my lawyers spoke with counsel for Trump, Alejandro Brito, uh, regarding the discovery schedule. And that discovery schedule um, has been sent to the judge who will then look at each side and make a determination 
uh, as to how the future of this case, you know, will pan out in terms of discovery, documents, depositions, et cetera. One of the interesting things uh, is obviously we want the deposition as quickly as possible because that will ultimately, you know, provide us with the information that we will need in order to file uh, a complete dismissal on the case as well as counterclaims and so on. Uh, you know, the maneuvering of this case at inception, which is really where we're at, is much more significant than what people give, um, you know, credence to. It's very significant laying out the foundation on how the future of this case will pan out. And that's why, you know, my counsels, Danya Perry uh, here in New York, working alongside Ben Brodsky uh, there in Florida, it's very, very important that we get this absolutely right. Now, we have already filed um, our opposition to the uh, to the complaint, a dismissal based on several of the causes of action. Uh, if you have access to the computer, you could certainly look that up. It's a very interesting document that was filed. Uh, of course, you know that's now pending before the judge as well, and we're we're basically just waiting. And it's one of the reasons why I keep trying to tell people that this is not a case that disappears overnight. How many people on social media turn around and they say, oh, you know, it's frivolous. It's stupid. He blew the statute of limitations, et cetera, et cetera. And that, you know, this case will be dismissed summarily. That's not how systems that's not how the system operates, and it's not how we anticipate this going. Uh, that you know, we'll put in our opposition papers, which we have, and of course, Brito will have his uh, opportunity to put in, you know, his reply to our opposition, and then it's just going to keep taking time, 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 and more time. In fact, one of the things that I would anticipate, and I'll probably reach out to my counsel after this uh, hour-long you know, political beatdown episode, uh, I want to discuss with them a few different things, including um, what will happen after uh, Brito's uh, motion in opposition uh, to our, uh, you know, to our motion, and to see where you know that leads, because again. It's going to be a lot about the discovery and what happens if hypothetically, because the way that the Trump complaint was pled, it was pled so broadly, so stupidly on so many of the counts. It was really more like um, something out of Mean Girls or, um, you know, clueless that, you know, what if the judge gives them the opportunity at that point to replete certain, um, you know, to replete certain averments of the complaint? What happens then? Do we now then have to go ahead and refile our opposition to the repled motion? It's just more time. It's just more money. It's just more headache. When in fact, if Brito went ahead and filed his complaint. I, I personally, and it's not what will happen, I would never like to see you know, a judge give them the ability to replead uh, certain counts, but somehow or another, that's where I think that some of this will end up going. And that's just going to be more money. It's just going to be more time consumed on this frivolous and ridiculous um, lawsuit. And look, that's maybe not what the brigaders wanted to hear. That's just the reality of our legal system and why it's so problematic when you have vexatious litigants like Donald Trump abuse the litigation system. The whole purpose of getting leave to amend is that the idea of pleading standards, the idea is, is that you should have these liberal pleading standards, allow the lawyer the opportunity to make out the case, because ultimately where our system out is that this should try to go before a jury and a judge right away shouldn't make the ruling that the case gets dismissed. So usually you do get a first amended complaint that is filed. Oftentimes in the Donald Trump cases, 
a federal judge after they dismissed the case the first time, like Judge Middlebrooks did also in the Southern District of Florida, kind of gives a warning shot to Donald Trump saying, you know, this case doesn't seem to be based on any merits at all, but nonetheless, you will get leave to amend. The reason that judges do that is they also know that Donald Trump will appeal everything. And if ultimately you don't grant leave to amend, one of the bases of an appeal is that granting leave to amend should be given liberally. You should be given a second shot. So to your point, that's why even if Donald Trump loses here, he ultimately gets an opportunity to file again, but that ultimately enhances the sanctions that are inevitably leveled against him, at least in the other cases, and what your lawyers would be focused on, because now they don't just have to file one dismissal motion, they have to file multiple dismissals, multiple replies, and that well, means much upon, more sure, attorneys. Depending fees. upon how they, how they now update the complaint is going to, of course, result in us having to file um, a similar motion in opposition based upon the new pleadings, which is, again, it's a lot of time and it's a lot of money. Now, one of the other things is we want immediate depositions. We believe that it's important in order for us to proceed forward with this case, a case brought by this vexatious litigant, Donald J. Trump. Well, you know, his counsel wants to wait until after the elections. We're talking about, you know, was it 16 months from now? Well, that doesn't really seem to fly in the face of reality. I can't imagine that, you know, a plaintiff who brings a lawsuit, if you didn't want, you know, to be deposed, then maybe you shouldn't have brought the lawsuit. Or if you're concerned because you're believing that you're going to be on the road for the next you know, say 16 months. Okay. Maybe you should have thought about that before you filed your lawsuit, genius, right? Maybe hold off for the 16 months, you know, depending upon statute of limitations. You have an obligation to weigh, you know, what you want and what you need to have happen. This was basically a an act by Donald so that he can go to his, you know, MAGA supporters and grift some more money and he could control the narrative in the media the way that he wants. It's part of the old Trump playbook that I just know so well. And unfortunately for him and fortunately for us, I do know the playbook and it's why we constantly have them on their back heels. And it's part of his playbook of obstruction, right? I mean, you are the key witness or a key witness in the Manhattan District Attorney's felony criminal case. And one of the reasons he filed this was to send a message to you and future people who may be witnesses saying, you, you testify against me. I'm going to hit you with a $500 million federal lawsuit, and I will make you expend all of this money on the lawsuit. I don't care. That was also a major reason why he filed it, right? Yeah, absolutely. I used to talk about that all the time when he brought in the lawsuit against uh, the New York Times, you know, for defamation. It was what he spent about a million dollars plus uh, on that lawsuit. He lost. Uh, that's the Tim O'Brien case. He, lo he lost. Um, the reason he didn't care is because for many years thereafter, he would explain and he would have us explain the same thing, which is if you want, we will sue you, right? The same way that we sued in the New York Times case, we will sue you and you can defend the case all you want. But, you know, we're going to drag you, we're going to beat you down and so on. And most of these Yep. Whether it's newspapers or whether it's periodicals or uh, websites, they're not really looking for the fight because they don't have a million dollars of cash set aside in order to defend a case against a litigant like Donald Trump. And so they would acquiesce to his interests and to his wishes and wants. One of the many reasons why I love 
this show. And there are many reasons why I love this show is that you just casually drop breaking news exclusives here and you just casually say it. So you just mentioned that you demanded as part of the discovery plan, Donald Trump's deposition, mind you, in a case that he sued you. You didn't sue him in this case. We'll see if you do in the future, but you haven't sued him in this case. It's a federal case brought by him against you. So in the discovery plan, your lawyers say, okay, you sued Michael Cohen. Michael Cohen wants to take your deposition now, wants to take Donald know, Trump's deposition. standard, in, in right, Ben? I mean, yeah, look, Ben, you're a lawyer too. Tell the brigaders, explain. You know, this is part of the process. It's not as if though I'm asking for something <laughs> that's outrageous or something that's never, ever been yeah. done before. You sue somebody, you expect to be deposed. And you expect to be deposed expeditiously because as a litigant, you want your case moving quickly. You need to, it's your obligation as the plaintiff to move the case forward, not to hold off until after an election. Well, and that's the part here where this deviates from all <laughs> normal practice. That's the breaking news part that Donald Trump is saying, no, I refuse to be deposed in the lawsuit that I filed until after the 2024 election. What? I mean, you're going to, you, we have to wait a year now in a case that you brought. You're making Michael Cohen now expend all of these resources. You've put Michael Cohen in this position. You've grifted and fundraised it. Now you're not even willing to have your own deposition take. It just goes to show you how cowardly he is. And if this was the other way around, if this is a case that you brought or a case I brought, I would say, depose me. I'm ready to go. Let's get this thing in front of a trial next week. Let's do it. Yeah. Look, you know, the, the funniest thing is I did bring a lawsuit against Donald Trump for legal fees going back to, you know, tw to 20, uh, you know, 18. And that's when we filed the case in, in 2019, 2018. I mean, we're four years already into that case. That case is going to trial uh, July uh, of, you know, this upcoming July, like in five weeks from now. And I have continuously pushed that case forward despite the plethora of motions to dismiss and the the various different moves in or by his different counsel. I think he's on now either two or three, you know, to delay, delay, delay. Well, you know what? Um, he delayed it, certainly for sure. You know, I've constantly been pushing this again and again and again daily. And finally, come July, July 25th, this case is going to trial. And I'm actually looking forward to it. The Brigaders are looking forward to it also. Can't wait to share with them as we get closer to that trial date and during trial as much as you can share. I want to go back to um, the Memorial Day messages that were sent out. Um, and so important, as we talked about at the outset of the show, to acknowledge those who made the ultimate sacrifice, to acknowledge our veterans, to acknowledge those currently serving in the military for all that they do. I'll show you President Biden's Memorial Day message, and then I want to show you Donald Trump's message. President Biden goes, on Memorial Day, we honor America's fallen heroes who gave their last full measure of devotion to this nation. We'll never be able able to repay the debt we owe them. But today, we rededicate ourselves to the work for which they gave their lives, and we recommit to supporting the loved ones they left behind. A nice message, you know, uh, heartfelt. And this is, let's compare that to Donald Trump's message right here. Donald Trump in all caps. By the way, if you knew someone who wrote like this as a friend, a coworker, a family member, you'd probably think they need to be in an involuntary psychiatric hall, the 5150. This is what Donald Trump writes. He goes, happy Memorial Day to all, but especially to those who gave the ultimate sacrifice for the country they love and to those in line of a very different but equally dangerous fire stopping the threats of terrorists, misfits, and lunatic thugs who are working feverishly from within to overturn and destroy our once great country, which has never been in greater peril than it is right now. 
We must stop the communists, Marxist, and fascist, quote, pigs at every turn and make America great again. The more I read that message, the more disgusting it becomes with each and every time. And like just even fact, Ben, the fact that there are people who support this madman. You know, Salty, if you saw mine, put put mine up for one second. There you go. All right. I took a quote from Claudia Pemberton. America without her soldiers would be like God without his angels. All right. This is to celebrate Memorial Day in 2023. Those who served before, right, are no more, serve today. You know, I mean, this is the kind of thing that you would expect from somebody who's a leader, who wants to be a leader, right? Not somebody who needs to use every single holiday, especially a Memorial Day, in order to, you know, to get out his petty gripes and his animus towards somebody. It's never thank you for your service. Thank you for protecting democracy. Thank you for standing for America's greatness. And so instead, it goes right back to the petty, the petty bullshit. And the reason for that is because he's a petty, fat moron, all right, who has no self-respect Believe it or not, it really goes more to show you about him than it does about, you know, about Memorial Day, about our soldiers, about our military, about the sacrifices that people make in order to keep America, the democracy, the strength of the world that we are. So, you know, as I do in every single, I really wanted to save the two middles, right, for Ron Death, Sanctimonious, DeSantis, DeSchmuckus, whatever the fuck we want to call him today, but Donald, for for doing what you did on Memorial Day to anyone. And you see this on Twitter all the time. You see these people in their profiles, you know, uh, Vietnam veteran, you know, uh, former veteran, military family, Gold Star member, supposedly supporting Trump. Know right off the bat that those are bots because I cannot imagine that there is a single person who is, in the military, has family who's in the military, has family who was in the military that would stand up for Donald Trump after a stupid, foolish, ridiculous tweet like the one that he put out on his Truth Social. And for that, Donald, you deserve this more than anyone else on today's political beatdown episode. Fuck you, you idiot. You mentioned Ron DeSantis. Let's pull up this other post by Donald Trump where I guess the, the new thing in the MAGA Republican Party is saying, no, you're woke. No, no, you're too woke. No, no, you're too woke. And this is what Donald Trump writes here. He goes, Disney has become a woke and disgusting shadow of its former self with people actually hating it. Must go back to what it once was or the, quote, market will do irreparable damage. This all happened during the governorship of Rob. He calls Ron DeSantis Rob De Sanctimonious. Instead of complaining now for publicity reasons only, he should have stopped it long ago, would have been easy to do, still is. And it's just saying that they're going to act oh. as fascists, use the government to destroy Disney, because Disney put out a statement once about supporting the existence of LGBTQ plus people. Like, let's not forget why, why they hate Disney. Because Disney respects the existence of human beings and respects their basic humanity. That needs and, – and, and by the way, Ron DeSantis' speech over the weekend was, well, why should people vote for you? And DeSantis goes because he says, he says, because I will destroy the left and completely obliterate wokeism. Not what I'm going to do for the people. You know, Salty, drop that that Donald Trump uh, truth social one more time, because there's something very important here. And I want our brigaders to look at the very last line would have been easy to do still is. Think about Donald Trump for a quick second, about all of the things that Donald says 
It's easy to do. I could do it in two seconds. Like, what else can he do in two seconds? Well, if you vote for me as president, I'm going to stop the war between Russia and Ukraine. It's easy. It's easy to build a wall. I'm the best builder that's out there. I could build it no problem. We're not even going to pay for it. Did that ever happen? Right? Do you think he could really stop the war between Russia and Ukraine? Simply, do you think that he could turn around and stop Disney, a private, right? Well, it's a publicly traded, but a you know, a, a private company to go ahead and to move their $1 billion now expansion to California that they can turn around and put Disney out of business because supposedly Mickey and Minnie are fucking with young children's minds and making them, you know, want to be gay or transgender or some other crazy nonsense that's floating inside that fucking head. You know, the the sad thing is we would expect stupidity like this from Donald Trump because Donald Trump is actually stupid. But Ron DeSantis is not a stupid man. I mean, he's fucked up. He's just not stupid. I mean, he's really highly educated and he clearly did very well in school. I mean, he's got Ivy League education, both undergrad and then law school. And to make a stupid statement like this, it really makes you wonder, you know, what the hell is going on inside this guy's head? I mean, look, let me just go back to this whole thing with Memorial Day for one second. When he turns around and he does things like this, and again, what do we call Donald, right? Uh, when you're part of the military, you know, you turn around, he's, you know, Captain Bone Spur. This is a guy who did everything, used his daddy's influence in order to avoid the war, meaning Vietnam, right? Made all sorts of lies about having bone spurs in his foot without being able to tell you which foot that he had an operation on. Look, I understand, right? He couldn't clearly have said that he had bone spurs in both feet, right? First of all, that would be unusual. But then somebody would say, well, show us a scar, on both your feet. Well, I had it in one of them. And so which one? I don't remember which one, right? Do you understand just how dangerous somebody who's able to think like this in that wackadoodle circular method? It's so scary, the fact that these two people are actually running for the office of the presidency of the United States of America. It's scary that this is the best that the Republican Party has so far in order to be leaders of that party. This is a very scary time that we're living in. And again, it's why on every single segment of political beatdown, it's why also if you listen on Maya Culpa, and I hope you do, why I constantly say again and again and again, it is your responsibility. It is my responsibility. It is our cumulative responsibility to make sure that you vote and not just you, but everyone who's of age to vote in your household and your next door neighbors and your parents and your sisters, your brothers, your cousins, everybody, right? It is imperative that we get that vote out, that there is not a question um, to be left that Donald Trump if in fact, or Ron DeSantis, if Robert DeSantis, could you imagine this idiot got him, his name wrong? That the fact that these two people were the opponents, right? That Joe Biden destroyed them and that this wasn't even a close race because it's only the continuous losing of seats, the way that Republicans lost in the Senate and the way that they, they you know, did far Poor. They did, you know, um, then they thought that they were going to do, you know, in the in the Congress. These are the important things that we need to show the GOP so that they put an end to people like Donald Trump, like Ron DeSantis and others who are absolutely destructive to democracy and our way of life. As we always say here on Political Beatdown and across the Midas Touch Network, do not call this modern-day Republican Party conservative. There's nothing conservative about their views. You can call them MAGA Republicans, call them extremists, but 
Ain't nothing conservative about this here. This is what Ron DeSantis said. So the new Ron DeSantis play with the campaign is they put him, they use the military as props because he's like a little guy. They put him now in front of battleships to make him look stronger. And he just rails like a fascist wannabe about destroy. His platform is to destroy the left. And by the way, before I play you this clip, could you imagine if President Biden gave a speech, well, what are you going to do? I'm going to destroy conservatives. I'm going to I'm going to crush conservatism. Could you imagine the way that would be covered? But other than here on the Midas Touch Network, you won't really hear a peep from the media and how they cover this. But play this clip of Ron DeSantis from uh, yesterday. As right now, the time for Ron DeSantis to run for president. Because the, everyone knows if I'm the nominee, I will beat Biden. Uh, and I will serve two terms and I will be able to uh, destroy leftism in this country and leave woke ideology on the dustbin of history. Cohen, I want to get your reaction to that. But first, let's take a quick break. Ben Mycel is here. Breathe some life into your own backyard with FastGrowingTrees.com this spring. From shade to fresh fruit to privacy and natural beauty, let FastGrowingTrees.com help you plant your dream garden with their expert advice and fast, reliable shipping. FastGrowingTrees.com's plant experts curate thousands of easy-to-grow plant, shrub, and tree varieties for your unique climate. Meyer lemons to evergreens and everything in between. Happy plants, happy home, right? But sometimes it's hard to know which plants will do best. No problem, because with FastGrowingTrees.com, you get customized recommendations based on your specific needs. Plus, their plant experts are always available to help keep your plants growing healthy through the season and beyond. No more waiting in long lines and hauling heavy plants around. With FastGrowingTrees.com, you order online and your plants arrive at your door in just a few days. I love fast-growing trees because I found the Alberta peach tree I was looking for at a great price, and you will too. And with fast-growing trees, 30-day alive and thrive guarantee, you know everything will look great fresh out of the box. Join over 1.5 million happy fast-growing trees customers. So go to fastgrowingtrees.com slash political now to get 15% off your entire order. Get 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com slash political. That's fastgrowingtrees.com slash political. And now back to the show. We are back live here. When we last left off, Cohen, I showed that clip of Ron DeSantis. For those just joining, again, I could just play that clip one more time. It's a short clip. And Ron DeSantis is asked, basically, why should people vote for you? And he goes, because he says, because I would win and because I will destroy leftism and wokeism is what he says here. Play that clip one more time. That's right now the time for Ron DeSantis to run for president. Because the, everyone knows if I'm the nominee, I will beat Biden uh, and I will serve two terms and I will be able to uh, destroy leftism in this country and leave woke ideology on the dustbin of history. You Such see, the dangerous part there, Ben, is they speak in broad terms. He's going to destroy the left, wokeism and so on. What is the actual definition of leftism? What is the... Ron DeSantis' definition of wokeism. Does that mean transgender people? Does that mean gay people? Does that mean, you know, um, mixed, uh, we'll call it biracial marriages? Is it going to be, you know, who knows? That's the whole problem. We're now leaving up to a guy who's clearly unhinged. We're leaving up to him a determination if he was president on groups of people that he sees as fundamentally flawed to destroy because he thinks that that's the job of the president 
of the United States of America. You see, somewhere along the line, I've always remembered that the job of the president is to be the president for all people. That's those who voted for him and those who didn't vote for him. That you're supposed to worry about growing America, not having America recede back into the days of 50, 60, 100, 200 years ago. What he's doing is exactly what the commanders were doing in The uh, Handmaid's Tale. They are making determinations based upon their theocracy, what should and should not occur, who you can and cannot love, who you can and cannot marry, who you can and cannot associate with, some of the things that you can read and you can't read, things that you can say and things that you can't say. Well, listen, I, and again, I... I gave the double fingers to Donald on this one because he fucking deserves it for being Captain Bonespur and saying the stupid shit that he did on such an important day. But I really wish I had four arms because the other two would go straight to Ron. <laughs> and you talk about who, who it's so broad. Who are they calling woke? Who are they calling the left? What does woke even mean to him is exactly. really the main question. He doesn't even understand what wokeism is, or it's it's not it's not what he thinks. It's they've turned it into a really horrific term for their supporters. Well, and even to weaponize against their supporters if their supporters don't give total allegiance. The Texas House Republicans saw that over this past weekend when they impeached Ken Paxton and Ken Paxton and Marjorie Taylor Greene and Donald Trump and everyone basically accused the Republicans in the House of Representatives in Texas of basically being woke of being liberal, and this was a liberal conspiracy, not the fact that Ken Paxton accepted bribes, um, among other things, so that he could take his mistress and move her 90 miles closer to where he was and to give all these benefits to a real estate developer, and that's just the tip of the iceberg in all of his criminal conduct. But no, it was the liberal Republicans in Texas is what they said. Everything is defined that way, and I'm reminded by the poem, you know, that was first they came for the communists and I did right. not speak out. I was not a communist. Then they came for the socialist. I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists and I did not speak out because I was a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me. You, you could basically use that same framework right there. And it's first they came for the trans community and I did not speak out because I was not trans. Then they came for the remainder of the LGBTQ plus community. I did not speak out. Then they came for the Democrats. Then they came for the liberals. Then they came for the rhinos. And then they came for me. That's where this leads to. But I want to compare what we just saw with Ron DeSantis to President Joe Biden, who negotiated a debt ceiling bill that was not perfect, but certainly preserved all of his major priorities. And you know that too, because you see all of the MAGA Republicans basically calling for Kevin McCarthy to lose his speakership. The first clip I want to show you is President Biden, where the media is asking him all these ridiculous questions. And Biden's basically like, I know you want me to spike the football right now, but that's not how you negotiate. Like you realize that here, play this clip of President Biden saying one of the things that I heard some of you saying is why doesn't Biden say this or that? Play this clip. There are a number of the members. I spoke to McConnell. I spoke to uh, a whole bunch of people and it feels good. We'll see when the vote starts. And look, one of the things that I hear some of you guys saying is, why doesn't Biden say what a good deal it is? Why would Biden be saying what a good deal is before the vote? You think that's going to help me get a pass? No. That's why you guys don't bargain very well. Anyway. Well, look, it is a good deal. The deal protects all of Biden's legislative accomplishments, including the bipartisan infrastructure law, the Chips and Science Act, the PACT Act, and the Inflation Reduction Act. Uh, it beat back cuts to Medicaid that would have put health coverage at risk for 21 million people. It protected Biden's student debt relief plan to hardworking borrowers recovering from a once-in-a-generation pandemic. McCarthy asked for a 22% reduction in all non-dispense discretionary spending, which would have been a significant cut of 
major government programs. He got no reduction at all. Instead, spending is going to remain at current levels. The deal is also for two years, meaning we won't have to revisit this as we head into the 2024 election. I mean, there were some concessions that the work requirements for the supplemental nutrition assistance program went from the age of 49 to 54, but the overall eligibility was actually expanded. And while the student debt um, collection efforts will resume in 60 days, they were set to resume in yeah, 60 why, why days. Don't they start, why, why don't they start uh, collecting on some of that PPP money that was stolen, like the 12, 13, 14 million that was given to Kushner and so on? The fact that you have these this tenth of 1% that they ended up using and getting more PPP money than anyone, that there's like a trillion dollars still outstanding, unaccounted for, thanks to the Trump administration. Totally. But I want to go one step further here. And I want to say, this is when I keep talking about voting and the importance of voting and staying active and staying with us and to tell your friends to join us as brigaders on the political beatdown. I want to remind people about a line it's not Ron DeSantis on wokeness. It's not stupid ass Donald on wokeness. It's fucking Nikki Haley. Somebody people are saying, oh, well, she's going to bring some normalcy to the Republican Party. She's, you know, she's level headed. She's a clear thinker. And I call bullshit on that one. Do you remember? And I want you to look it up if you don't believe it. Nikki Haley made a comment a while back where she said wokeness is a virus more dangerous than the pandemic, or the, than the epidemic. This came out of Nikki Haley's mouth, this Republican redefining uh, de uh, of what woke is even all about. It is, it's a term that they have decided to create and to use in order to sort of weaponize their their followers to believing that this is the end of your, you know, of your lives, that this is the end of your children's, you know, um, you know, ideology, that this is going to cause every child to become gay or every child to want to be trans or to read stories and to understand that, you know, uh, the history of uh, black America, to understand World War Two and Nazis and anti-Semitism and hatred and so on. Well, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to do like what they did in The Handmaid's Tale, like what they did in Orwell's in 1984. They're going to take your books. They're going to burn them because we don't want you to read any of this stuff. And when you start to suppress people's ability to read um, and to and to hear the truth, that's the First Amendment. That is the first of the two stages that is needed in order to change a democracy into an autocracy, to change America into, for example, the way that Russia currently is ruled by a president who's really not a president, but he's really the dictator. He's the czar. We have that clip of Nikki Haley on, on file here. Play that clip. On Biden and Harris's watch, this woke self-loathing has swept our country. It's in the classroom, the boardroom, and the back rooms of government. We're told our country is flawed, rotten, and full of hate. Joe and Kamala even say that America's racist. Wokeness is a virus more dangerous than any pandemic hands down. I mean, it's the most ridiculous statement. It's dangerous. It is absurd. It is all of the things. And yeah, that's who the MAGA Republicans or the Republican Party says is a moderate. A statement like that should be so utterly disqualifying. But speaking of utterly disqualifying, I want to show you some of the responses from earlier in the day from these MAGA Republicans uh, in response to the debt ceiling uh, bill that was negotiated between Kevin McCarthy and President Biden. Let me show you this first from MAGA Republicans. Republican Byron Donalds. Um, and he talks about how it's funny that the White House talking points are so cheery. So if the White House is happy, they don't read the bill. They just know if the White House is happy about it. And that's why what President Biden said before is so smart. If he says he likes it, that's all you need to do for the MAGA Republicans. We must hate this, not let's read the bill. And I'll, I'll make a point of that in a moment. But this is Byron Donalds. Play this clip. I had this last thing. It's funny that the White House's talking points are very cheery. 
that the White House is telling Democrats have crocodile tears, but vote for the bill. It's funny that you have 100 Democrats who are now greenlighting, they will vote for this bill. You know why they're gonna do that? Because none of their policy is changed and they get to keep all of their spending. And last but not least, if we were gonna do something constructive for the country, if Joe Biden didn't wanna get rid of his crazy Green New Deal spending, the least we could have done is secure the Southern border. And we didn't do that either. You didn't do it when Donald Trump was in office. All of that spending, the twenty-five. You, you, you know that it's a fucking joke when sitting right to your right at a press conference is Lauren Boebert. I mean, you know, it's it's that stupid. You know, it's not only that this Byron Donalds is is stupid. But think about when Donald Trump himself was there on CNN with Caitlin Collins and they were talking about the debt ceiling. And what did Donald say? He said that they should default. And she was shocked, shocked. It was a great opportunity for him to turn on me, maybe give some people some comfort that this lunatic is not as unhinged as we know him to be. No, no, they should crash it. It would be good. If they crashed it, which that wasn't good the three times that they did it for you when his response was what? His response was, yeah, but I was president then. I'm not president now. Meaning burn the fucking country down today because I'm not president because you didn't reelect me as president. Burn it down under Biden. I'm going to try to be president again so that I could again become your dictator, your monarchist supreme leader. I mean, that's what's going on inside that deranged head of his. And here's what's going on at that deranged press conference. You mentioned Lauren Boebert. She was one of the main MAGA Republicans giving speeches today against the debt ceiling compromise. Here's what she had to say. Play the clip. Because there is nothing real in this bill to enforce. In short, Tomorrow's bill is a bunch of fake news and fake talking points that will do nothing to rein in out of control federal spending. It's like the stupidest stuff in the world. It's fake news. Wasn't what is it even? Ben, ben, wasn't there also something there with Lauren Boebert where um, I think it was her husband was dressed up as a transgender or something like that? Wasn't that Lauren Boebert? Well, I think her husband, there, there, there's something there. Um, it, that was Marjorie Taylor Greene's boyfriend dressed up as oh, a drag oh, queen. I, I, um, I confused Bo- you. You get him confused, but Lauren Boebert's husband was recently heard on a 911 tape attacking Lauren Boebert's son. Um, her son called 911. Lauren Boebert then uh, intervened and basically said, no, 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 my husband's not. She goes, I'm the mom. She doesn't say I'm his mom. She goes, I'm the mom, and there's no abuse taking place, and basically had her son recant the story. Um, that's the second 911 call from the Bobert residence that we've covered here on the Midas Touch Network. I want to also show you this other MAGA Republican talking point. This is MAGA Republican Ralph Norman, who went on Fox, and his talking point was that even though he had 72 hours to read this uh, debt ceiling, negotiated bill. Um, It's 99 pages. He had 72 hours to read it. It could probably take you about an hour. took me about an hour and 10 minutes to read the full thing and and to go through the full text. Um, He claims that 72 hours was not enough time. But to be fair, Fox did push back. Here, play this clip. John, I mean, we were over Memorial Day and to get a call uh, to to comment, support a bill that Oh, the, the negotiated bill that we hadn't even read. Uh, it's like the Pelosi days. You got to pass it before you can read it. Uh, this needs but he, to be. But he debated. is giving you 72 hours to consider it before you're asked to vote on it. Uh, Pelosi, that's didn't because that. it Pelosi didn't do that. And that's what the part of the 20 of us that did in January, we got that. But really, for this seriousness, serious of a bill affecting. Uh, the dollars that it is and the financial security, which is national security, we ought to have a lot more time. Uh, and I think the day only 99 pages. Bo- Without what? It's only 99 pages, not not the 2,000 plus <laughs> right. that the uh, Affordable Care Act was. 
Well, and yeah, the uh, one of the Biden bills was four uh, four thousand one hundred eighty pages yeah. uh, that we had less to, time to read on. But no, this is a serious issue. We've got serious concerns with it. The at the end of the day, I think we gave away way too much, uh, and it's time to negotiate and go back to the table. All right. Despite despite that being just completely idiotic, um, you know, one of well, the again, it's an excuse, Ben. That's all that they know how to do is to lay on more and more excuses. Look, like me, you went to law school. Right? I don't know if this guy is a lawyer or not. Ninety nine pages. If you got ninety nine pages in total reading <laughs> per night. It was an easy night. You probably went out to the bar and shot some yeah. pool and had yourself a drink. 99 pages. It's nothing. And by the way, don't they have staff as well? Right? So not only do you read it, but you have your staff read it and let them let them outline for you, you know, the basics. You can have each one. Could you imagine if you really needed to do this expeditiously? You give every 10 pages, you give to one of your various different members, your staff members, and you have them outline those 10 pages as succinctly as they possibly can. Do sort of like the cliff note version, which 99 pages cannot imagine that you would cliff note it. But if that's what this idiot needs to do, because nine to nine pages is just too much for me to read, all right? And so on, it's a really important bill. Isn't every bill that comes before, that you know, the president, isn't every single one of them important? Aren't they relevant? And if not, why are they being passed in the first place? Just think about how circular the level of stupidity is that's coming out of these representatives' mouths. And the worst part, is that they fucking represent all of us. Yeah, this idiot may not be from New York, but he still affects the United States of America. What are we doing? And each of those members have about 10 staffers, which include legislative aides, not to mention interns who could, who could help them. But also it should be mentioned that the Trump tax scam, um, which basically is what contributed to our deficit right now, the $7 trillion that were added under Donald Trump, it was a 500-page bill that had to receive a vote within hours of the same night it was presented to Congress. It was so rushed that they had to actually, on the margins, and you see it right here for those watching on YouTube, this is actually Trump's uh, tax scam bill um, that gave all the tax cuts for billionaires. They had to write things on the margin because they were rushing it through that quickly. Um, so just to be clear, if reading is hard for Ralph Norman and House Republicans, we're sure math is as well, so we can help break it down. 99 pages in 72 hours is about 1.375 pages per hour. But let's assume that Norman is only willing to read the bill during work, hour, bill during work hours. Assuming an eight-hour workday over the course of three days, that's a total of 24 hours. 99 pages in 24 hours would be a pace of about four pages per hour. I mean, so we're talking about a, a not a difficult task here. Kudos to uh, our great team who sent us that math. But I want to show you this. This is from Matt Gates. This is what Matt Gates had to say, that basically a motion to vacate, meaning to remove Kevin McCarthy's on the table. Play this clip. Um, what will the what will the Freedom Caucus do if the, the, the people who are objecting to this bill get overridden, if the Republicans get overridden by a, uh, a Republican speaker teaming up with Democrats to pass this bill? Uh, again, I think the operative question there is whether or not the speaker can get to a majority of the majority. If, if a majority of Republicans are against a piece of legislation and you use Democrats to pass it, that would immediately be a black letter violation of the deal we had with McCarthy to allow his assent to the speakership, and it would likely trigger an immediate motion to vacate. I think Speaker McCarthy knows that. That's why he's working hard to make sure that he gets you know, 120, 150, 160 votes, and that's why those of us who are not supportive of the bill are trying to point out that many of the changes are cosmetic in nature and Joe Biden's administration is going to be able to waive uh, certain requirements and certain conditions that sound like great talking points, but that don't save the country from the ruin that the Biden administration is bringing us to. 
I mean, they are the arsonist who created the situation in the first place. The fact that Matt Gates is out there lecturing. And by the way, have you noticed Matt Gates has become like a host on Newsmax? He like hosts a TV show now where he like says, my sources tell me, what are your sources? You're a member of Congress, unfortunately. Look, the fact that he's still a member of Congress, once again, it goes to everything that I say over and over and over, the importance of voting. Um, we all know who and what Matt Gates is. It's a shame because every member of Congress should be respectful of the process. I acknowledge that there are things, there's pork inside all of these, um, you know, these bills spending that even I don't want to see. And as a lifelong Democrat, I don't want to see th certain things. But that doesn't mean that you burn the whole thing down, that you're going to allow the country to default, to cause the loss of 10 million jobs. Um, government employees won't be able to be paid. Our credit rating in the world will be diminished. Our standing as the economic superpower of the world will be at risk. Countries will turn around. And for the, I mean, seriously, this is the best that you could think of as a member of Congress, that this is the best thing that you think that the country should do right now is to follow, you know, Donald Trump's path to the dumpster so that we can all get, you know, we can all just sit there and just allow our country to fall apart because Donald Trump wasn't elected president and that they're now going to allow the default to occur. I mean, it's so stupid. It's so ridiculous. It's there's yep. just no way to describe we are stuck, Ben, into a situation that is referred to as a zero-sum game. In order for the Republicans to win, they have to destroy the Democrats. And the Democrats feel the same way. In order for us to win, we have to it's, – it's a zero-sum game. We have, to, we have to get what we want. Well, here – it's neither side. It is bipartisan. It's the way it's supposed to be. It goes back. It's a win-win debt ceiling deal. It is. No one is going to be able to take credit. It was bipartisan. So, you know, whether you like Kevin McCarthy and I don't or you despise him as I do, he did the right thing for America, and he should be applauded for that, not to have somebody like Matt Gates come out there and say that he should be removed from his position simply because he didn't allow the debt ceiling you know, to uh, expire and for the America to default. That's just asinine. Absolutely. And just want to give some final updates on special counsel Jack Smith. Some news broke this morning. This is from The Guardian that Trump lawyer said to have been waived off searching office for secret records. This was an exclusive by Hugo Lowell, just does incredible work. Evan Corcoran said he was steered away from Trump's office where the FBI later found the most sensitive materials. You know, Evan Corcoran was one of the lawyers who provided that attestation to the Department of Justice. And now they also think that there's an insider in the, in the legal team that's uh, spilling a lot of uh, the information. So that's got Trump all worried as well. Yeah. And in that same report, uh, it talked about how a month ago there was an ultimatum delivered by one group of Trump lawyers basically saying, you've got to get rid of the Boris Epstein's and the Lindsey Halligan's and Alina Habas and Joe Takapinas. They don't know what they're going. They don't know what they're doing. And then we saw Tim Parlatori leave two weeks after that. So Donald Trump basically has the D team at this point, and he has already um, been digging and digging that whole even deeper than the trouble he's already been in. Like he's committed more crimes recently than the ones he's being investigated <laughs> for, but every single day, more and more crimes. We are exposing that here on 
political beatdown and also just talking about our democracy, common sense, humanity, decency, compassion, intelligence. That's what political beatdown is all about. Make sure you check out Michael Cohen's new book, Wherever Books Are Sold, Revenge, um, How Donald Trump Weaponized the U.S. Department of Justice Against His Critics. Um, below in the description of our YouTube page, if you want to contribute to Michael Cohen's legal fund, all money goes to the lawyers. You can check that out in the description below. And of course, we talk about all the updates of what's going on in those cases here on Political Beatdown. Check out store.midastouch.com for the best pro-democracy gear, including the Moralardo Correctional Facility Mea Culpa podcast official shirt. That's store.midastouch.com. Make sure you check out uh, the podcast Mea Culpa as well. It is a great, great show wherever podcasts are available. If you watch Political Beatdown on YouTube, make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to audio podcasts. If you listen on audio podcasts, subscribe to the Midas Touch YouTube channel. And you can also support the Midas Touch network by going to patreon.com slash Midas Touch. Michael Cohen, I'll give you the final word. Listen, just thank everybody. Um, again, happy Memorial Day to everyone. Thank you all who have supported. Your support is so important and necessary to keep this fight, to hold Donald Trump accountable for this litigation. Uh, Got to stop the man, you know, in his tracks again. You know, it'll be the second time he will be, I, I, I predict that it'll be the second time that he and his lawyers will be sanctioned because it's a ridiculous case. But nevertheless, it needs to be defended. Uh, revenge, extremely important that you understand where this is all coming from and just how close to losing democracy that we are right now living with when you have someone like Donald Trump, when you have someone like Ron DeSantis or even Nikki Haley asking to be the president of our great country. So to our brigaders, it's time to fight, need your help. Most importantly, make sure you get out there and start doing something for the Democratic Party. Make sure you get out there and start helping to bring out the vote. Shout out to the Midas Mighty. Mighty. <laughs>